You know, I've, I've been here for a very long time. I remember many things. I remember being at a shoreline, watching a little gray fish heave itself up on the beach. And an older brother saying, don't step on that fish, Castiel. Big plans for that fish. I remember the Tower of Babel. All 37 feet of it, which I suppose was impressive at the time. And when it fell, they howled, divine wrath. But come on, dry dung can only be stacked so high. I remember Cain and Abel, David and Goliath, Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course, I remember the most remarkable event. Remarkable because it never came to pass. It was averted by two boys, an old drunk, and a fallen angel. The grand story. And we ripped up the ending, and the rules, and destiny, leaving nothing but freedom and choice. Which is all well and good, except... But what if I've made the wrong choice? I mean, how am I supposed to know? I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you everything. Hello, and welcome to Heller Radio. I'm Nora Rose. I am Sully. And I'm Kate. And we need to talk about Destiel. <sighs> and boy, do we. <laughs> um, this is the episode, so obviously, it, yeah. It really <laughs> is. It really, really is. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> Do we want to sum it up? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, I just I I have to share with everyone that the the summary on supernatural.fandom.com, the supernatural wiki, um, it usually has a like you know in caps little thing before it gets into the little summary. And this time instead of it, so like for example, mommy dearest, it said Sam and Dean meet Eve in all caps and then it went into the actual summary um for the man who would be king all it says in caps is executive producer ben edlin Edlin wrote and directed the episode i mean they are right they are are correct yeah it is a ben edlin masterpiece oh my god okay uh so castiel uh also, also, I have problems with the summary, but uh, we'll read it and then we will talk about the problems. Only with um, summary, okay. <laughs> Castiel tells Sam, Dean, and Bobby about the war in heaven and how he and Raphael became enemies. Bobby believes Castiel is hiding something, but Dean refuses to believe it. 
What? <laughs> uh, I'm partial to the IMDb one. I have to look it up here quick. But it was like, it was basically like, Cass talks to God and spills his secrets or something like very- that. That's so much better. <laughs> something like very juicy about it. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just like one one line, and I'm like, that's both great and really underrated. <laughs> uh, Castiel tells his story in his own words and confesses to some interesting choices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's lovely. That's so vague. Yeah. <laughs> um. Interesting. Interesting. Choices. Choices. No, I love the the in his words part. <laughs> oh man! Oh. Wow. Oh. Okay. Um. So some themes here. I I feel like there are some pretty heavy themes here. Um. Like, obviously, the right path versus freedom and what all that bullshit means. <laughs> yes. Uh... Like, it's interesting because uh, it seems that even, even Cass, there at the end when he's talking to God and it, it's made clear that he's talking to God, it's he's saying you know am i doing the right thing uh, you know i i want to know is this the right path despite the fact that he's already told the angels you get to do what you want <laughs> yeah he like kind of toes the winchester line of freedom but he's not 100 percent there yet and still has yeah. his doubts and yeah it's great Do you have any other ones, Norris? Oh, yeah, I have more. I was just <laughs> seeing if anyone else wanted to jump in. Why um, is this a class discussion? <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could go one yes. by one or <laughs> however you want to do it. Um, I have uh, regrets and mistakes. Obviously. Mistakes. Mm, that's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No. So that's how you see it. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> You are so cascoded. My, my boy has never done anything wrong in his life. To I know this and I love it. you. <laughs> um, I, I also noticed, I, and I don't know that I've noticed this before. Um, I, I decided to put it down as evolution, but specifically, do, did you guys notice how many times they mentioned fish? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Big plans for that fish. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's the first one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love the implication of it's still like this Judeo Christian idea of God created everything, but there was evolution. Yeah. There. So I was like, please go into that more. That's fine. <laughs> The other mentions of fish were uh, it's a bit like teaching poetry to fish. Mm -hmm. um, 
And also, uh, at the very end between um, Cass and Dean, uh, he he says, uh, you know, you you can't, you know, defeat me. I you, I'm I'm an angel. You're just a man. And uh, Dean says, I don't know. I've taken on some pretty big fish. That's right. So just Van Edlund was really just contemplating fish a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And then I have one more, but I kind of want to let you guys go into it and see if you have it as well, which I'm sure you do, but go for it. Okay. Well, I'm which- simple and dumb and I have betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> Big theme here. You were not simple nor dumb, and I also have <laughs> <laughs> See? Brainwaves. <laughs> well, it's like it's like the culmination of all the betrayal that we've had so far in season six. It's the whole like, point of the episode. Yeah, like it all it all comes to a head and uh yeah. Uh, did you have any other ones, Sally? <laughs> it was simple. Oh no! I mean, it's it's like the the theme of of this season and of this episode, and yeah. Uh, the only other one I had besides betrayal was uh, hubris, and that this is mm-hmm. like. This is like the true beginning of Cass's fall. Like he's rebelled before, but this is when it all starts to come crashing down. Very like Icarus towards the sun situation. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then this this has the repercussions throughout the rest of the show. Like mm-hmm. what what happens after this is all both the team having some sort of problem with Misha, but also just like <laughs> he loses so much of his like powers and it gets brought up again and again and all this stuff goes on so yeah Yeah. i love that you brought up icarus um because i want to talk about orpheus and eurydice how dare you (laughs) i i may be simple and stupid but i do have that And I also want to talk about Lot and his wife. Yes. Please because because go on. because okay, so we all know, we all know that when Cass is in the holy fire and he and and they're running away, Dean looks back. We all know that. Everyone who is in this fandom is very well aware of that and we're obsessed with it. But I also noticed that when Cass goes to visit Dean when he's raking leaves before he leaves with Crowley he looks back yes (laughs) so they both look back (laughs) yes 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 um, and there are just a couple of little things that I would like to, uh, there's, okay, one thing that I would like to read. It's a, uh, 
excerpt from Slaughterhouse Five, written by Dean's favorite author, Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> um, and it says, and Lot's wife, of course, was told not to look back where all those people and their homes had been. But she did look back. And I love her for that because it was so human. So she turned to a pillar of salt. So it goes. Oh, it's so good. And, and I, I don't know if we want to like go into also just, I want to point out also that Lot and his wife, that was Sodom and Gomorrah that they were leaving. Mm-hmm. Which is mentioned here. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's mentioned here. And also, you know, the whole, sodomy thing <laughs> sadly i know a lot more about that than i am yep. i saw your research this yes. this past week um yeah that was fun to watch yeah, um, yeah. Yep. and I, I i was like "Ooh, that's a good point and then you know we're suffering on wikipedia together <laughs> and then i don't know um all of our listeners might not know the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. Um, so I just want to go over that a little bit. Um, it's very similar to Lot and his wife, except that, uh, so Eurydice, um, was killed and goes to Hades cause it's Greek. Um, and, uh, Orpheus travels to the underworld to bring her back to life. And he convinces Hades, um, to let Eurydice go, but her release comes with a catch. Um, Eurydice must, must walk behind him as they ascend to the upper world. And Orpheus is forbidden from looking at her right before they reach the exit he turns to look at Eurydice and she is immediately sent back to the underworld forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, should, yeah. There is this movie, uh, by this French director called Celine Schiama, which was like very popular last year or the, the year before. It cans and so on, and there is like, uh, first of all, like it's a queer movie. It's about two women. Uh, one of them is a painter and hired to paint the other one, and it happens like on this island, like isolated from everyone. This is beyond the point. I don't know what I'm, <laughs> why I'm telling you this, but the point <laughs> is that 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 myth about Eurydice and Orpheus is like a central point of the movie and how their relationship is like it's basically um always like contrasted with what's happening in the movie with with that myth and then one of them at the end says um uh about or about that moment of orpheus turning around uh and the quote is he chooses the memory of her that's why he turns and Yes. yes Uh, that's also always how I kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Between oh, you so, and Cass. So yeah. good. And then there was, I can't remember who wrote it, but it was floating around Tumblr for a while, especially now with Hades Town, the musical, which is based on 
uh, Orpheus and Eurydice, which is great. Go listen to it. But um, it's so good. Uh, Both versions. And, um, but this quote going around from an author talking about how, you know, everybody sees it as this big mistake that he turns around. And there's different versions of how this happens in the different tellings of the story. But this author was talking about how he, Eurydice wouldn't be sad to be sent back to the underworld because she knew that Orpheus loved her so much. So much. So much. That he had to make sure she was there and, like, wanted to see her face and just all of this. And it's like, uh, feelings. (laughs) Yeah. And it just ties so nicely into these shots that you brought up in this episode and all of this. It's good. Yeah, it's basically ultimately about, like, what is the right thing to do, like, from the objective way of, like, viewing it and, like, from the right way. And then what's one is actually gonna do in the moment which is like i mean yeah do you turn which, or don't which you turn? goes back <laughs> yeah. which goes back to my first uh theme that i mentioned about the right path versus freedom yeah because yeah we, yeah we can argue that basically him turning around is how is is basically act of freedom because if he hadn't mm-hmm. uh, then it's just you're just following what's written in a way right so yeah. and also it's interesting that it will uh, it kind of loses its purpose like we wouldn't know that myth now if he hadn't turned around it would have been just yep. like a random story that would have been gotten lost along the way like I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. To- totally agree. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. No. Yeah. It's the it's the human thing, like you said from the from the Kervonigan quote. It's the human thing to turn back and look and yeah, love the person that you're leaving, <laughs> or love yeah. the thing that you're leaving. In the case of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Ah, classics and supernatural combined. <laughs> this is the Ben Edlund experience. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, should we go to break? Yep. Sure. All right. Okay, and we're back. Um. <laughs> It's kind of funny because usually I have a good mix on my notes of like, you know, straight quotes from the episode and, you know, me like screaming about something. Um, But this this episode was 90 percent quotes. I literally have an A4 here I'm holding and it's all quotes. There's so many good quotes. The script is tight as hell. I love it. Oh, it's so good. Oh, man. And I mean, I mean, starting with the way we started this episode, which I'm not going to go over again because no one can deliver that better. (laughs) Um, but, uh, and, and, and then it goes into this beautiful conversation with 
Dean and Cass, and they're both trying to see what the other knows and trying to be casual about it. And, and, and then, and then it ends with Dean being like, uh, finally being genuine and saying, but Cass, you'll call, right? If you get into real trouble. No. <laughs> I literally have here what the fuck. He's like a worried boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And he's like, he doesn't care that he would be, if Cass did call him, that they would be going up against an army of angels led by an yeah. angry archangel. He still wants to help. Yeah. Yeah. He's still like, I'll do whatever I can. I'll take as many down with me because he knows that that's crazy to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also think that this episode has some of, despite the fact that we're past the point where I don't like Crowley anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it has some of his most iconic lines. Oh, yes. Mike Rugrushens, yes. That's what <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yep, yep. <laughs> Starting with the stench of that Impala's all over your overcoat. Oh my god. I have oh. I have a section I sectioned out my notes because there were so many, and I have one that's just Crowley. It's mostly <laughs> his quotes. But it is insane how Crowley's saying all these things and just just literally the same. I mean, Dean happens to him later, like, buddy! <laughs> like, you yeah. could have learned from others' mistakes, but I guess you didn't. No, he's just, he's just jealous. <laughs> oh, man. Um, um, a whore is a whore is a whore is my personal is favorite. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh, yep. my God. Such a great line. <laughs> <laughs> and that Cass immediately slams him up against the wall at mm -hmm. that at that line. It's just very breaking uh, the wall. Breaking the wall. Yes, it's very. Uh, the rituals are intricate, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, that Crowley says. Um, uh, and now I I just wrote Crowley says, but is that all you're holding? And I didn't write what Cass said about holding, but. The it, he says it right before the stench of that impala is all over your overcoat. That mm -hmm. he's just like, mm -hmm, is that all that you're <laughs> holding? Is just like two, just catty love interests fighting over teens. I love, I love. Tumblr has pointed this out to me. Um, as it has pointed out many things to me. Um, but the uh, when when they first make the um, Superman uh, going dark side analogy, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it starts to wrap up and Dean turns to Sam and says, this makes you Lois Lane. <laughs> Deflecting much? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Completely. 
Oh, and then it's immediately followed by this heartbreaking, heartbreaking line from Cass. And the worst part was Dean trying so hard to be loyal with every instinct telling him otherwise. Mm -hmm. And the look on Misha's face. Oh, the acting. Oh, oh, it hurts. It hurts. It's also the shot that I call the Pride and Prejudice shot because, <laughs> uh, and I had this realization rewatching it, was Cass is invisible, but he's standing so close to Dean. Mm. And when Cass says this line on the voiceover, Dean's jaw clenches. <gasps> and it just feels like the shot in 2005 Pride and Prejudice when... Uh, the shot on Darcy's hand and it's like the sexiest hand clench. <laughs> it's just like... I love that. It's almost... It just, in in my brain worm brain, just feels like <laughs> Dean almost felt that Cass was there. He didn't know, but it's just this proximity and this, like, tension and... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And they just, like... he. Dean walks so close to Cass when he walks past him. He's just on the verge of discovering, or that he's on, Cass is on the verge of just being like, I'm here. I honestly yeah. love that concept, that the invisibility thing. I wish we had seen like more of that. Yeah. It kind of yeah. it's like the, another layer to it, which is like very good from my point of view. But also, um, can I can I just like, at times it did feel like I was watching Twilight. <laughs> yeah, valid, valid. Yeah. Especially when he's invisible, when he brings we we get the pull the shot pulling out that Cass was standing next to Sam invisibly when Sam was standing outside of Dean and Lisa's house mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah. Feels, <laughs> feels very Edward standing outside of Bella's house yeah yeah so I don't know how you guys feel about this head cannon, but I favor the eternal Tuesday afternoon of an autistic man who drowned in a bathtub in 1953 autistic cast oh i love it <laughs> yeah. i don't have anything to add yeah. to it i i agree i've seen a lot of uh i've seen a lot of writing about it and it just it seems like writing from people who have autism who can speak from that experience yeah exactly uh yeah and i i can't remember now i was looking uh there was some some place had a reference that that was supposed to be a reference to a movie actually, oh, um, really? yeah. the Eternal Tuesday. But yeah. now I now I don't remember where I found that. So listeners, if any of you know, <laughs> feel free to chime in. Um, huh. But yeah, that that was supposed to be a subtle reference to some sort of movie about a character that had autism. Um, Interesting. Yeah. 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 You know, I, just... I think yeah, I think it's like plausible or believable or it is what it is because especially once he once Cass gets all this knowledge, I mean the pop culture knowledge and etc. from Metatron, like character wise he doesn't really change. Like he's still awkward and weird and 
know, like yeah. he yeah, does understand the reference, but the way he reacts to those references is pretty much the same he did. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I just love how like peaceful, like as soon as he's there in that heaven, he just is like, okay, I'm calm. And then it, when it pans over to the rest of the angels standing there menacingly, it's just such a contrast. You know what? Yeah. Like everybody always says this to like in regards to Dean and Sam that they can never go back, but like nobody realizes that Cass can never go back home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After this, and then the scenes that we f see later in that same heaven. Yeah. Oh my god! In a different episode. Yeah. Um. No one leads us anymore. We're all free to make our own choices and choose our own fates. Yeah. In light of Endgame, it hurts so much. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I wrote the freedom is a length of rope line, which is raw. Yep, as I got that right next. Raw yeah. as fuck. But when you have that, then in the context of season 15 it just oh it hurts so much <laughs> i saw a post the other day that was like um i can't believe that freedom is the length of rope and god wants you to hang yourself with it is from cw's supernatural and not some <laughs> 1960s coming of age novel <laughs> right I like, this is a valid point <laughs> I was just thinking about it that this year essentially is Cass's like coming of age. I think I, I have mentioned it before that for me in my head, Cass is like even Dean says that at some point in this episode <laughs> when he's like, You are a child. He says and, you're a child, yeah. Yes, yeah. and it, that is I mean also when Cass says that sometimes we are lucky enough to be given a warning, like he is kinda like he wants this freedom, but he is not there. You know, like he is—he still has like reservations and doubts about what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I so mean, he's in that regard, and... it is in a way a coming of age episode in Cass's life, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He gets this confronted is, with these choices. This is uh, book five of Harry Potter. Yeah, the angst, the <laughs> angst, the angst. You know, just the teenage angst. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bad decisions. Bad decisions. Yeah. Uh, what else did I have? Oh, and that. I, the, oh, go ahead. No, I, I just, I love uh, when we finally are um, confronting. Uh, well, not confronting. This isn't the confronting. Um, but when we first have Raphael in this episode um, and he's like, you know, this is what's going to happen and we're going to bring Michael and Lucifer back and we're going to do this and we're going to get back on track. And Cass is like, but why? We don't have to. Like, and, and Raphael's answer is because it's what I want. <laughs> yeah I feel like the whole understanding 
or how C's cast is like very influenced by that one line, or at least it is in my head because like he always always kind of assumed that it was for like this greater good and everybody was working for this greater good and now this angel dude is revealing to him that like they're gonna do this this is the plan because he wants it it that way yeah 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 um and i feel like that's also something that kind of pushes cast towards doing the same himself but like with yeah you know yeah being more in in a better way because he thinks like his goals are like more noble or whatever his mm-hmm. problem is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Exactly. That's a good point. Uh, also, can we talk briefly about how the heaven that they're in is Ken Lay's? Oh my god! <laughs> I had to look it up because I was like, I know that name, but I can't remember. He was one of the people who was mixed up in the Enron scandal. Uh. And basically just a huge asshole. And then he died before he was sentenced. He was found guilty of fraud and everything else that was happening with Enron. But then he died three weeks before he was supposed to be sentenced to go to prison. And they're just like, we're borrowing it for a while. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that he was supposed to be in heaven and they're like, oh yeah, he was devout. It's fine. (laughs) Just feels like... Oh my god, American politics, it hurts so much. Yeah. Uh, that, that, watching that in 2021 was uh, rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we're, again, uh, arguing about whether or not Cass is betraying us, and Dean just says, this is Cass. And the look on his face, the sincerity on his face, in his eyes, he's so scared. Yeah. That they're right. Mm-hmm. Also, I was just very excited that he finally defended Cass. Like, right? For all of his, like, you know boyhood crush teasing and all the crap that he gives Cass that he was finally like outwardly verbally defending Cass was excellent. They really have this relationship when one is allowed to talk shit about the other but when anyone else outside of them does the same (laughs) thing it's a (laughs) no-go. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) He's like I can tease Cass because I love him none of you can do the same. And then when when Cass shows up and smites all these demons and is being badass again, and there's this part of the the um, the narration from Cass, he says, "For a brief moment, I was me again," and. That line hit me so hard. As the someone, line. yeah, and and the it's like depression. 
that line is very Dean Winchester coded. So I guess it is like <laughs> the, like the depression. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because because yes. you're you're in this haze and you're doing things just because that's what is the right thing to do, and then something happens and you for a brief moment you get to be yourself again and it's like a breath of fresh air yeah but it also the way i see it or the way the the, the my way the why it makes me insane is that like he the smiting and the being is the being a soldier is what he did so like he knows yeah. himself in that environment mm -hmm. as that that angel yep. yeah and then there's a solace when the hero discovers that and he can have it like for a moment but also it's it's not gonna it can't be long-lived because he has progressed past that but he mm -hmm. is well, kind of yeah. scared to go forward depression. so he falls back right yeah. yeah 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 but that's the thing about depression too is like once you have depression, there's no going back. Yeah. yeah. Like you yeah. can it's have not something that goes away. Yeah. You can have your, your moments of like bobbing up above it, but then yeah. Yeah. But then, you have yeah. to you have to learn your new normal, which is what Cass is having to do. Mm hmm Yeah. Yeah. His new normal of not being like the other angels and not having the same pure obedience that everybody else seems to have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He doesn't ever get to go back to that. And uh, it hurts. It hurts a lot. Yeah. I just wonder if they even like realized when writing all this, like how closely it parallels Dean, like everything about his character. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously we, we know that on the surface, but like when you go, dive deep down it's like the tiny details it's essentially the same the mm -hmm. entire yeah. father thing and you know it's a lot yep. <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot yeah. having them having them both be soldiers in yeah. their own ways it's just oh my heart uh but can we talk about though how he like double smites oh <laughs> the <Ooh>. <laughs> so good uh, just that he's like yeah. I felt like myself again after murdering the shit out of these demons <laughs> in the coolest possible way oh I'm myself again a breath of fresh air I love it, I love it. <laughs> um, and then we go right into Superman going to the dark side and the look on Dean's face oh a masterclass in micro expressions. Yeah. It's so small, but it's so perfect. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. The dawning realization, horror, the just absolute, like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I literally have crestfallen. have here like capital letters. You are so unbelievably dumb. Oh my god! <laughs> like, <laughs> why? <laughs> it's like why would he? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing is that Dean, as a soldier, 
and as the person that he was trained to be by John, uh, isn't supposed to let his guard down, but he lets his guard down for Cass. Yeah. He, he puts his complete and utter trust in him, even though like every other instinct, like Cass says, every instinct tells him otherwise and his, his training and his upbringing tells him otherwise, but he does anyway. Yeah. Which again is like he is he is just like doing that. You know how people say that the line is like fuck so, fuck soulmates I love you on purpose like he does that on purpose like he yeah. He, yeah. he knows that something's going on but like he's just like you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, try not to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's also uh, so devastating when you think about the line Cass tells him about like good things do happen, Dean. And if what if this was where he was hoping that this was gonna be the good thing that was promised him, mm-hmm, and yeah. Cass would have turned out to be not a lying, <laughs> cheating <laughs> asshole. But, but he did yeah. nothing wrong. He did yeah. nothing wrong. But he's lying. <laughs> hey. He just it, things happen, okay. <laughs> <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. You're trying to get in a purgatory with the king of hell. It's fine. So I went to an old friend for help, but watching him, I stopped. Everything he sacrificed, and I was about to ask him for more. And can we talk about how if he had had asked, Dean would have dropped everything. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. He would have dropped that rake right on the ground. <laughs> just, you know he wouldn't that... have even said anything to Lisa. He just would have gone. Yep. You know that man has a go bag stuffed in a closet in that house filled yeah. with... Guns and rifles and the keys to the Impala, and he would have just been gone. Yeah. I like Lisa, but that's what would have happened. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, it's so interesting. He says, I went to an old friend. Like, by Cassis, yeah. the way he, you know, like, he's eons old. Like, how, they have known each other for like how many years? Yeah. Two, three? Two. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. by, by Cass's thunders, this is not an old friend. But I personally mm-hmm. choose to believe that Cass just forgot everything that happened before Dean, which is also <laughs> canon because he gets well, frequently brainwashed. This is <laughs> so, true. This is true. That's valid. Um, but also you could say that it's it's he feels like an old friend because he's someone who's closer... They've, they're closer than he's been with anyone else before mm-hmm. and okay Ben Edlund you can have this one <laughs> <laughs> Ben Edlund can have pretty much anything right, in these episodes that's valid um, another another Crowley microaggression um, you've got what they've got what they call sex appeal <laughs> And then Cass just wrong? says thanks. <laughs> he just says thanks. Um, <laughs> I had a realization about that line and then about the rest of the episode. 
if you put it in terms of the seven deadly sins, Cass's mm. sin is pride. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he yeah. has so much faith in himself and in, in his ideas. And that he's just like, he brushes it off, but he's also, he doesn't say like a typical cast thing, like, I don't know what you're talking about, or I'm indifferent to sexual appeal. He's just like, thanks, get to the point. I have done <laughs> there's, there's even a point where he says, I wish I could say that I was free of pride in that moment. Yeah. Um, yep. And then, of course, I mean, I have to do this, but if his sin is pride... What is the whole thing with being queer? <laughs> <sighs> yes. And what is this scene? <laughs> that, I was, that I was trying to think about, and I'm not entirely sure yet. He might just be all of them, but... Because um, <laughs> a lot of them fit, but I would say either wrath or, yeah. en or envy. I'm but, thinking gluttony. I don't know why I'm thinking this, but That's, I'm thinking this. Yeah, yes, yeah true. I think like yeah, I Ooh. I think he's just all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is large, um, he contains multitudes. Um yeah. with my hands thing. Yes. With Cass. Um uh all of the smiting of demons earlier was an open palm. Um, some of it was not like right on the face. Some of it was like under the head, holding the chin or something like that. And other, but it was always an open palm. And then when he gets the loan from uh, Crowley, and he goes against Raphael, and does the big flash of power, mm -hmm. it's another open palm. Love it. Yeah. Did we? Does it? I can't remember now. Does that mean that Raphael's dead, or he just got his ass? Kicked? Oh no, we saw him in like uh, an episode before, and this is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, he's just like, Pacha. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's right. I have power because that's that's a flashback. That's right. Because I was like, yeah. wait, did we see Raphael again? Like. In a later episode, does he come back? I don't Time is an illusion and my brain is broken, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, speaking of Raphael and questions. Yes. When they go, when Raphael and his cohort go find Cass and kick his ass in, the, in his favorite heaven, Raphael says, tomorrow you kneel. Does time mean the same thing to angels? <laughs> because what? <laughs> it seems like time should work differently for them, but he's just like, I'm going to give you an arbitrary human deadline. And then I thought that was weird. Yeah. That's valid. Yeah. Especially because, well, and I know this is probably just like, you know, a phrase, but right before that, uh, Cass says, I'm not ashamed to say that my brother kicked my ass into next week or something like yeah, that into next week and that yeah just have these really like human constraints on time i thought was interesting yeah. um going back to crowley i know we're just jumping all over the place but the yeah, scene yeah, yeah. the scene when um 
Crowley confronts Cass and Cass is staring at Dean. One thing, I know that we've talked briefly before, but um, how many times do you think Cass did that? Like, just Mm -hmm. watched Dean be domestic for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then how many times do you think Dean prayed to Cass and didn't Mm -hmm. get an answer when he was at Lisa's? I've read that fic. Because it just, because when Cass says, where were you when I needed to hear it? I just wonder if Dean did try to reach out or if he just, you know, hung up his spurs and tried to be normal. I don't know. Well, but also there's, remember in the Claire episode in season 10 or something like that, um he reveals that a prayer doesn't have to be like a formal prayer for an angel to hear it it just can be a longing yeah oh yep. that's true yep so i wonder how many times something like that happened and then Cass was like i'm a pop in and not not say anything, not reveal myself, but yeah. just, you know. Because he knows it's just a longing and it's not an actual thing, an actual prayer. Yeah. Oh, God, the brain worms. <laughs> I'm sad again. <laughs> <laughs> That's our secret. We're always sad. <laughs> um, uh. Also, I just love how that scene where they're in the yard feels very much like those mafia movies where (laughs) the big boss, the big mob boss goes to visit the lieutenant in his house. And then the lieutenant's wife is like in the kitchen, like not knowing what's going on. It just felt very much like keep your voice down. (laughs) Dean's home. (laughs) And I don't know. Cause of course Crowley just thinks of himself as this, you know, big mob boss and I don't know that was the vibe I was getting of like that whole thing yeah Mm. um but Crowley also like he's so clever he has like figured everybody out because like he exactly knows the weaknesses they have and just he just like strikes them there Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you the- don't like like him, but like, no, yeah. I, I can admit that 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 he's good at what he does. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the ultimate salesman. Uh, yeah, he he knows how to he knows how to get get people exactly where he wants them to be, and then when he gives the deal to Cass in his hell, which I love so much that he made hell waiting in line, so good. Yeah. Um, he says, um, again, I didn't write the whole quote, but Cass says, not Dean, immediately. He was like, yeah. you, can't, you, can't, you can't touch Dean. Not he's Dean, retired. it's tired. <laughs> he's tired, and he's to stay that way. Yeah. But you can exactly. do everything you like with Sam. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> interesting yeah. yeah yeah and that that crowley only like insinuates he doesn't say anything specific but Cass is just immediately like not dean yeah Dr- drop the hammer yeah Ugh. 
And then jumping forward a little bit when uh, we have got Cass trapped and we're interrogating him and Cass reveals that he was the one who pulled Sam out of hell mm-hmm. and Sam's sort of like, what the fuck? And then he's like, wait a minute. Did you bring me back solace on purpose? And Cass is just like, how could you think that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like the level of their of Sam and Bobby's distrust right now. And Cass is just sort of like, okay, sure, I've done some shit, man, but what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was interesting looking at their different reactions during this, uh, mm-hmm. during this scene that Bobby is just like stone cold. He's like, I never trust a thing that's not human. I barely trust humans. He's just like, you know, it's almost kind of like, oh, the other shoe fell. I was expecting this. Sam, he it, <laughs> yes. Sam, yeah. Sam is like, even though I love the scenes with Cass and Bobby together before this, um, and I wish there were more of it, but he's always just like holds people at arm's length, like all the time, except for the boys. Um, Sam is like offended on like an ethical, like pre-law kind of level. (laughs) (laughs) And Dean Dean takes it so personally. Personally. Like it's this emotional thing for him. Like obviously everybody's upset, but the way that they are reacting in completely different ways, uh, I thought was really interesting. And that Dean's like, you got... Yeah. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Oh, I was just going to quote the line of, you've got to level with me. He's like, you have yeah. to deal with me personally because of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also shot in that way because, like, why couldn't it have been Sam who turns around when they, because, like, he was, he, like, he should be the one who is the angriest at Cass, actually, because he, like, Cass brought him with, back in without soul and then never told him that. First of all, he had no soul. They had to figure that out. And then that he was the one to bring him back soulless. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. everybody should be angry with Cass. But, like, Sam has very personal, you know, thing going on here. Technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> that way. Here's a question. Do you think... So, obviously, he didn't bring Sam back soulless on purpose. But do you think he knew... That Sam was soulless right away? I don't... That's a good question. Because... He... When the scene where they have to, like... Somebody referred to it as soul fishing in a Tumblr post. (laughs) (laughs) Which, again, back to fish. But in the earlier episode, I can't remember which one. I think it's the truth one. Um... Mm -hmm. That he has to, like, torture Sam to see whether or not he has a soul. Would he do that for show? Or could have he just been like, I'm an angel and I can tell when people don't have souls. And just, yeah. like, would he have needed to do that if he didn't already know? This is my point. <laughs> I, 
it hurts to think about because I don't want Cass to be like, I'm gonna torture this dude who's my friend. <laughs> but, you know, he's a soldier. He does what he has to do, so. I think that he didn't know. I think that he just pulled him up as fast as he could, got him out of there, dropped him off, and then went and went back to heaven. Well, and do we think that Crowley helped him? No. Crowley didn't show up until later. Yeah, I don't think Crowley had anything to do with it, really. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just thinking of the various uh, rewrites of season six. Because <laughs> 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 it would make more sense for Crowley to have at least helped because it's, you know, it's Lucifer's cage. It's such a heavy, heavy duty situation. But. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. This whole yeah, season but is maybe, a mess. maybe that heavy duty situation is the whole reason why Cass was unable to tell that he only got part of Sam. That's true. Yeah. Just like a quick smash and grab. Yeah. That's true. Damn it, Cass. We can fix this. Dean, it's not broken. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm obliged like, to say here that yeah. it wasn't broken, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing I think that's broken is if he it's that he was keeping it secret. If he yeah. had sat Sam and Dean and Bobby down and been like, okay, here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Yeah. Take souls from purgatory for power. It's so easy when you say that, Kate. <laughs> I mean, that's Where what... were you when he needed to hear it? <laughs> I wasn't part of the fandom yet. I didn't know. But that... I didn't know. I didn't know. But that's the thing, is that he... And that's what Dean says to him, basically. He's like, if you had just told us, we would have helped you with anything. But... I don't know. It's just uh, that's that's the thing. That's why Cass says it's not broken because it would be a good plan. It's the fact that he, you know, teamed up with Crowley behind their back mm. and was being secretive and all this other stuff. So, yeah. I mean, we have to say like, not saying it because I'm, you know, on Cass's side here, but like the way like Crowley kind of corrupted Cass in, oh, throughout yeah. the season, and how did goes parallel to the theme of Eve Ooh. and the <clears throat> biblically associated apple and corruption. Mm. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. I love it. And when he confronts Cass, they're in not a garden but in a backyard with the trees framing behind and this very like horticulture looking vibe. So it's all coming together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. I actually found a note here about the thing, Kate, you were saying before uh, earlier. Uh, and I have written down Cass's scene is arrogance. And then 
Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, because, I've, I mean, the thing I read on Wiki about Sodom and Gomorrah, like, it's always, like, in most, most people think it's associated with homosexuality and the sin of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are quite a few scholars and uh, in like uh, who um, actually think that what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah because they uh, happened because the people who lived there were arrogant and weren't pe- weren't treating the people like guests who were arriving like weren't welcoming to them and that this arrogance and this pride was the original sin and mm-hmm. that caused it so you know, yeah one uh, or in one way or another Cass is kind of a sort of mine can i bring up something that might be going down a rabbit hole <laughs> please do um so uh as you guys know um and some of our listeners know i grew up in a very religious home um and i went i was one of those in one of those families that went to church every single sunday and you know sunday school you know all of that great stuff every single week every single week and i had a uh um Sunday school teacher who his thing that he kept going back to like every single it it kind of became a joke honestly um like everything everything bad could be connected back to having pride Mm -hmm. like that was that was the number one problem um, and like it, it, when I say it became like a joke, like, I mean, like if he asked a question and we weren't paying attention, we'd just be like pride. Pride is the, answer. <laughs> pride is the problem. <laughs> we know this. We've had this drilled into our heads. Um, so uh, my point in bringing this up is that If, if pride is the, like, original sin, if pride is the original problem, if everything can be traced back to pride. Yeah. That's what this episode is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's literally the quote in the Bible, pride goeth before the fall. Or, yes. As I just Googled it right now. <laughs> Proverbs sixteen eighteen, uh, King James Version: Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before the fall. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, even like if you look at the show in all fifteen seasons, and if you look at God, like Chuck's yes, why Chuck ends the way ends up the way he does is because he has pride. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is like the original thing, I guess. I like that. I like that. And then, and then, what Cass does in his confession and the sacrificing himself is the exact opposite of having pride. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. This can kind of connect. Uh, in that final scene between Dean and Cass, uh, back at Bobby's house. Dean says, I'm asking you not to. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. this yeah, he's like this should be enough. The, yeah, the that should be me yeah. asking yeah. you to, yeah. not to do this. Playing on the profound bond and begging him yeah. not to. Uh and, and then, then the- again, there is this moment where he pride comes up again when he's, you are just a man and I'm an angel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. But then that pride yeah. breaks a little bit when he, when Cass says, I'm doing this for you, Dean. I'm doing this because of you. Yeah. He, yeah. He's still proud, but he's, it breaks just a little bit when he recognizes that it's not fully for him to do it's for he was trying to do it because he thought dean would appreciate it i guess or like think that that it was a good idea but not enough for him to tell dean or like bring them in on the plan yeah i think i think what i should have said when you asked me about more themes at the beginning of this (laughs) i should have said (laughs) that perspective is like a big thing oh that's a good one yeah which actually leads into the last thing that I want to say. Um, he in the, in the final scene when it's revealed that he's talking to God this whole time, um, he says uh, something about um, I suppose you could call this a tragedy from the human perspective, but maybe the human perspective is limited, which makes everything so much worse. <laughs> yes Uh, yeah I also loved that because it was like a big character development when he said to God you have to tell me if this is the right path like it's this culmination of him going from trusting God and being obedient to losing faith and demanding stuff from demanding answers from God I thought was really cool when he like put that little bit of emphasis on it. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. That's so good. Oh man. Okay. Anything else, guys? Uh, uh, I have tiny, teeny, tiny bits here. Most of dialogue. Uh, I- one of them is. Uh, I need you to understand. Like he looked so desperate. Like he just needed not to be seen as a villain so badly like yeah mm-hmm. i was i i was just about to say that too with perspective he said i need you to understand he goes to dean specifically he doesn't wake up sam yeah. he doesn't gather them all in the living room he they have that beautiful shot of him standing and dean sleeping in the window with all the angel sigils and coming to dean specifically it just oh yeah. He he needs Dean he, to understand his own perspective. He just like only really like cares about Dean's opinion, like this about himself. Like this is no news, obviously, but yeah. it's so <laughs> fucked up. 
I mean, like, the other opinion he cares about is probably, like, gods, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> so, yeah. like, in that regard, it is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that in the, like we had talked about before, in the incredibly, like, short time, relatively, that they've known each other, Dean gets elevated to this, this pedestal. pedestal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like it's all Dean's fault, anyways. Like, literally. <laughs> hey, <laughs> if he hadn't, hey, I I have this theory that positive reinforcement works on Cass, and when Dean said, "Cass, are you God?" <laughs> that's when he <laughs> fucked up everything. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Can you blame the man though? He was in a bad way at the time. <laughs> Who wasn't? <laughs> oh well, my god. Well, I just well, love well, how, well, like, every, every, like, this culminating point is actually mostly, like, most of the times about Sam's character, but <laughs> <laughs> never about Sam's character. You know what, what I mean? No, like, no. Yeah. No, he stopped being the main character at, like, season four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Also, just with perspective, uh, when Cass slash Misha breaks the fourth wall and stares into the camera at the end of the uh, cold open, mm-hmm. it's so good. It just, like, that stare just shoots you right in the heart because you're, yeah. expect- you're not expecting it. And... Uh, because he's talking to God, but he's also talking to the audience. Oh, this is amazing if you think about uh, the uh, ending of season 15 and the whole Chuck One theory and the thing that they never broke free from the narrative mm-hmm. and how, yeah, with Cass being the only one who could because he's mm-hmm. already doing that here. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. You it. yeah. All right. Well, uh, next episode, we are talking about 621 and 622, Let It Bleed and The Man Who Knew Too Much. That'll finish off season six. Um, and it'll be a party. And then season seven, <laughs> we'll, we'll warn you guys a little bit. We will be talking about some episodes without Cass because he's in so few episodes <laughs> um, but uh yeah we'll we'll get through it pretty quickly either way um and then we'll do our uh gamble era um episode and um we're thinking of ways uh to get you guys more involved um so stay tuned for that. Um, we are uh, hoping to do things like a Patreon and uh, things like that. And um, we hope that you guys are excited to be involved with things like that because it'll be, we're excited anyway. We're excited about the ideas that we've got brewing um and uh yeah we'll like i said we'll let you guys know more as uh as things develop 
And um, in the meantime, this has been Heller Radio. My name is Nora Rose. My name is Sally. And my name's Kate. Uh, we had our sound editings by Josh. Uh, music by Kalua. Give them hell, hellers. Let me cry.